a quick disclaimer before you listen to this episode. Of course, this podcast is about growth mindset. And something that I'm working on is trying to figure out how to edit these things. So one thing you'll notice is that in some parts of this episode, the audio is just not ideal. But the conversation with this guest was so rich and incredibly stimulating, and I really didn't want to cut anything out of it. So I hope you stick around. Conversation's worth it. This is Everyday Everest, a podcast inspired by everyday people conquering an Everest all their own. I'm Reese D'Angelo. On today's episode, I speak with Brian Fretwell, TEDx speaker, author, storyteller, and founder of People Strength, which he calls a mindset gym. Brian, welcome and thank you for being here with me today. Yeah, thanks, Reese. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to excited to have a discussion here. Yeah. On your website, you mentioned that you enjoy making intangible subject matter tangible, more logical, and inspiring for all audiences. And I have to say, this is what first drew me to your content in the first place. I told you, I found you on TikTok, as 60,000 others have also done. Uh, I was mesmerized by your delivery. You have this simple way of telling complex stories with deep meaning also. And on this podcast, as you know, I talk with everyday people conquering Everest's all their own. And I'm especially interested in hearing people's stories of mental strength, resilience, growth mindset. And you, you do it the same as well on your social media platform. So can you talk a little bit about what growth mindset means to you and how you've seen it play out over the years? Yeah, I, I and thank you, by the way, for all of the compliments on the storytelling, because that's a... For me, that's an area that I'm keenly interested in, not just as a storyteller, but like how powerful story is for the individual. And you, with that idea, whenever we talk about mindset, we're talking about story. I think there is growth mindset that, you know, Carol Dweck, she discovered it, right, uh, or invented it and then it's made very famous. But the idea of mindset in general, whether it's growth mindset, whether it's as we look a lot at like locus of control, whether it's how we approach any problem, if you will, mindset is deeply related to story, the story you have about yourself. And um, and I was listening actually this weekend to uh, Daniel Kahneman, uh, if you've read Thinking Fast and Slow, uh, Nobel Prize winning psychologist. And he talks about in system one, which is kind of the subconscious automatic brain, is running on story. Now that story is not necessarily rational or logic as we used to believe, but it's the underpinning of that story that creates mindset. How much we're reinforcing or not reinforcing the story. And my argument is always that every action you're doing is reinforcing a story. And so the clarity of the story allows us to gain control over the mindset. Absolutely. I work at Quinnipiac University and I talk with students a lot about changing their internal dialogue from a negative dialogue to more positive dialogue. So we talk about thought stopping. And if a student is facing a challenge and quite often they'll say, I just can't do it. And I'll say, every time that you're in this, you know, you're studying a subject that's difficult for you and you reach a barrier, and you say, I can't do it in your mind, say out loud, stop, and turn that 
into something positive or something less negative. So I can't do this yet. And by adding that yet, the student leaves the door open for the possibility that they could learn that information and overcome that challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yet is like the magic word. It's really opening your brain. Like teach people just basic brain science. Your brain wants to run away from bears and sleep. The challenge with saying I can't is then your brain says, sweet, we don't have to. Right. And um, it, but I think more than that, it's really getting underneath what we're really saying when we say I can't. So I don't know if I can do it alone. I don't know if I have the skills. I don't. And those are complete like it's um, it's OK to be honest about that. Like I'm not I'm not sure how to. I can't see a way to yet. And, and that's a more a more kind of honest declaration of it. And we talk, we have our mindset gym where, where we focus on how to ask questions that, that then put our mind into that space or rather clarify that story. And we used to say negative and positive, and we still do, but that creates kind of this binary construct. And, and what I try to tell people is it's really actually about honesty because anytime there's something negative, the only reason it can be negative is because there's a positive underneath it. I can't have anxiety unless I care about something, right? If something's not important to me, my brain's not going to generate that, the fear, the, the, the anxiety, all of those things, because those are defense mechanisms to protect something important. The important things, if, if we're able to kind of clarify them, that's, that's honesty and it happens to be positive. <laughs> Yeah. And, and so I think when you're talking about somebody coming and saying, I can't, well, what's, what's the more honest statement? And, and the reason I like honesty is because right now we have this kind of, I think, I think I heard the term uh, toxic positivity and I couldn't buy into that too, because it's not about saying I don't have challenges or, uh, you know, oh, oh, you know, I lost my house today, but everything, you know, the sky's blue and that's fantastic. And that's just, that, that's just avoiding, again, the honest assessment. This sucks, and it sucks because I care about this. You know, I say things like I can't because I'm worried about this. I'm, I, I genuinely care about how I present. I care about being successful. I care about even how I look. All of those things are completely okay to care about, and I think that the more honest we are about them, then we can start adding that yet a lot easier. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you brought up toxic positivity. It was actually something I was hoping you would touch on because oftentimes I will talk about strength-based language versus deficit-based language, for example. And it is hard to explain the difference between strength-based language and now that's so popular to talk about toxic positivity. And I, I really like that you added the honesty component of things. It can be really hard for people to be honest because being vulnerable opens yourself up to criticism. It opens yourself up to needing to look at the not so pretty stuff. Mm-hmm. And that can be really hard. Can you talk a little bit about the connection between growth mindset and perhaps emotional intelligence, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think that to have growth mindset, means embracing the work, right? Like that, like we kind of get wrapped around into that hard work bit. But to be able to do that, that connection to self, you know, to 
emotional intelligence, step one is self-awareness. If I, if I go around thinking like, oh, this is supposed to be easy or the, the dishonest piece is like, I can't show anybody that I'm struggling. Well, that's going to then that, that kind of puts you into a fixed mindset by default because that I'm, I'm, I'm performing as opposed to I'm processing, right? I, I'm, I'm putting on a, a, the picture for somebody else. Uh, as opposed to right stepping into the picture for myself, or rather stepping into the struggle, um, and and the more aware we are that we all do it, like we have a natural inclination to not show people, and that doesn't mean we come and cry on people's shoulder every moment, but but to be able to say, yeah, this is a hill I'm climbing, and to use your metaphor, if you will, and. And, and that's okay like that because the more we do that, the more we give permission for other people to do that. And, and I think that then it allows those other components of emotional intelligence, empathy, compassion, right? Uh, internal motivation all come from that honest assessment of what is in front of us. Because the more we're honest about our struggle, the more accepting we are on, of other people's struggles. If we have to hide our own, then we tend very easily to get upset at other people's. Or brush it off. Yeah, yeah. To, to just not, um, you know, if I can't accept mine, I'm not going to have a lot of empathy for yours. Or at least the empathy I am showing is, is not balanced, if you will, right? Like it's more feeling sorry for as opposed to empathy, which is I can understand and I also believe you can you can do it. And in your videos, you often ask, what's right with you? That's kind of your, your tagline these days, right? Yeah. And as simple a question as that is, it can also be incredibly difficult to answer, especially when things aren't going well. Yeah. So what led you to this question? Maybe you can talk a little bit about the underlying message there. Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I just, I just you hit me with that. Like, where did it come from or what led me to that question? Once you get into asking questions, and that's sort of been my background as a facilitator, there's there's some influence there, certainly with like appreciative inquiry or other modalities that, that use that kind of positive core sort of language. But what I really notice, and we have a little chart, it's like levels of difficulty in conversation or like question you ask. So the easiest one is when you're meeting with somebody, talk about something that's not in your control, that's negative, right? Oh, this weather's horrible easy to talk about. There's not a whole lot of, there's not a, not a lot of risk. Like, yep, it's bad. There you go. But there's also not much work and not a, not a whole lot of, uh, you know, connection, right? And you move up the ladder with something not in my control that's positive. That somebody gave me a cake today. Again, not in my control, but positive. But it's a little bit riskier because, oh, what are you bragging? Whichever the case. Then you get even more tough with, here's this bad thing that happened that was my fault. And now we have, right? Now, now we're engaging, whether I'm asking a question about that or engaging in that conversation. But the toughest one is, here's what's in my control that I made better. That's one of the riskiest things you can say out loud, your brain, because our brain is constantly looking for that, right? Connection, we're looking for acceptance connection. We are pack animals, so that is, that is, uh, that's what drives fight or flight in the human brain as much to some degree as, as a bear. And so we're reticent to say that. However, 
Because we don't say that, we again remove permission for other people to say that. And seeing what's right with me is not about overlooking the challenges or overlooking the things that aren't, but it's really focusing on the more I'm honest and, and, and complete about what's right with me and accepting about what's wrong, then again, I can start being more accepting of other people. I get less jealous when I'm, here's what I'm good at. I'm okay to not be good at this stuff over here. So now I don't have to have, so your level of envy, your level of, you know, just kind of disgust of other people goes down because you're more comfortable in what you do right. And I argue all the time that the more comfortable you are in what you do right and clear and confident in that, the less situations of telling what you don't do well are about actual vulnerability. Because I don't have to be vulnerable if I'm not worried about something I should be, right? If I, I tell stories all the time of like, here's where I screwed up. And, and I get emails like, how, how do you be that vulnerable? And I was like, it's not vulnerability if you're not, you know, if you're not hiding from it. For, for me, it's just about I tell the story to get, give people permission that like you can tell the bad story or the negative story, the, the story that you're embarrassed about the more confident you are about the story you're currently sitting in. So it sounds like it's more about telling the complete picture, the whole story, instead of just the good parts or hiding behind the good parts. Yeah. And and that's where, again, the, the honesty is if I screwed up, if I look at, if I look below the actual behavior, there's a really good chance, meaning like 99% chance that I, that I did the wrong thing with the right intention. Yeah, that, that, that I was trying to do the best I could with the stuff I have here and it didn't go the way I want. But but the more honest I am about the, the good place it came from, the easier it is now to redirect the behavior. If I get stuck on the I did this because I'm a bad person, I did this because I'm you know inferior, I did this because I'm dumb, I did this like those partial stories that don't get underneath to the actual honest story, then it's about me being a different person as opposed to me choosing a behavior that better aligns with who I am. You know, after watching a few of your videos, I reflected on a few of the practices in our office. As I said, I work with college students and my job is to help them become better learners. I realized that unintentionally, we were focusing a lot on the students' deficits. So if a semester didn't go well, we would ask them, you know, what went wrong so that they could identify the challenge and overcome it moving forward. But the process is is working. But one of your, your TikToks is asking, what's right with you? And I was thinking, man, we don't ask students that. Why don't we ask students that? Because, and you know this, you have a neuroscience background, our brains detect patterns and our brains essentially choose to see what we feed them. So if you drive a white car off of the lot and you think, oh, I have this unique car, it's white, I haven't seen a lot of white cars lately, you, then you start seeing the pattern of white cars everywhere suddenly because your brain is now more aware of the white car. Yeah. So when we ask students what went wrong or, or how did you fail, I started thinking, man, maybe they're going to start looking for ways in which they're not doing well in the, the following semester. Yeah. 
And you're absolutely right. And I think about my own college experience, but most kids, high school, college, whichever, if you ask them, what are the things you're not good at? Write that down on this paper. And then, then they'll fill that. I mean, you can think about it right now. You've, had, you've filled that paper up pretty quick. But write down the things you're exceptional at. Write down the things that you do better than other people. And two things happen. Uh, the first is they struggle to come up with that. And the second thing that happens to so many people is the thing that you're best at, you generally take for granted. You, you think that everybody's like, oh, this is easy. Everybody knows this. Everybody can do that. And that, like whatever it is, whatever it is for any individual, when they say anybody can do this, for me, that's like the red light. Like, no, 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 let's pull the brakes, right? Let's, let's stop here because that is, it's, we're, we've done it so naturally. Now we assume everybody can do it. That's kind of classic Dunning-Kruger uh, to some degree. And if I can get ownership of that, not everybody does it. I do it. And where can I do that more? Then just as you said, my brain starts looking at like, okay, where can I make the be world better from this one or two things that I do that I love doing that I can do easily? And just as you said that, we become really expert at where we don't fit, what we don't want, what we want to get rid of, all of those things. And, and while that's good in that short-term kind of protective, like, like, I don't want the bear chasing me. Well, if you spend all your time saying, I don't want the bear chasing me, you forgot that, you know, even out in the, you know, hunter and gatherer, there needs to come a time where you say, I want to focus on where the next meal is at. And so in here, what am I good at? What can I do well? What do I care about? Where do I influence? How do I come over challenges? What, what is purposeful to me? What, what, what do I do that allows me to feel happy? And having those types of questions frequently that you're interacting with frequently. It's what we do on the gym. We bring people together, 10-minute conversations where that's the only focus. They're not even, nobody can give each other advice or feedback or opinion. You can only ask those questions. And, and within a couple of weeks, people are coming back saying, my whole week is looking different. And I always tell them like, no, no, your week doesn't look different. You're looking at your week different, right? I love that flip. Yeah. Billions of bits of information coming in your brain at any second. Your brain is processing less than 10 of them. So pick the right 10. Hmm. And that's mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's why we kind of say the gym and a muscle because that your brain is going to automatically choose those 10. And because there's 10 times more uh, real estate in your brain designed to identify threat than reward, then it's naturally inclined to look for the things that you're not good at, to look for the things that are, you're going to be embarrassed about where you might fail. And if you can use what, um, what Kahneman would call system two, right? The automatic or, or, or the less automatic brain, the more purposeful brain to train system one to build the muscle that says, here's where I'm good at and here's where I can add value and here's where I can make a change, here's where I can make a difference, this, and find continuously find the evidence for that. Then in the moments that the opportunity jumps in front of you, you'll be ready. And in the moments where the struggle, the challenge is presented in front of you, you'll be ready. Because that muscle, just like going to the gym, and I used to be an ultra marathoner, run 50 and 100 miles. Well, 
mentally, I know how, but physically, if I'm not in the gym week after week, or in this case, up in the mountains running week after week, the preparation for that, and this is, there are always going to be challenges. There is always going to be opportunities. So what are we consistently preparing for and how are we preparing? And, and my argument is that with mindset, it's preparing your brain to find those instances that you can add value. And to do that, you have to be expert at what you bring, what your, what your strengths are, how you get over challenges. And I really encourage people building a support system around you of people who you know what is on their list and they meaning like what they're good at, how they get over challenges, where their strengths are and they're expert of what you get. Personally, uh, I've had a group of friends that we've been off and on doing it for 10 years, but the last five years, every single week, every single week, we have a phone call where one, for one hour, uh, we're all, we're all four business owners and, uh, we have a one hour conversation every week where you can only talk about what went well the prior week. There's no other conversation. There's no feedback. There's no, right. Uh, and if you want to complain, if something's going wrong, there's plenty of time. We can set a different call for that. But once a week, we focus on that because that's how we use community to build muscle. I really love that imagery of the gym um, at my work. It, it, this is the the perfect connection, and I hadn't I didn't consider it until just now hearing you talk. But my my supervisor, I have to give him credit, John Gopfrich, he came up with the metaphor of what we do as the academic gym, helping students become better learners, and we talk about again the brain as a muscle, and we also mention that if you walk into a, a physical gym, you know, with weights and barbells and all of the that stuff and you you haven't been there in a while or you've never been you can't expect to be a professional bodybuilder after one workout session you can't you can't do it and and only after putting the hard work in the hours lifting weights and exploring the different areas of the gym can you then achieve more and so, you know, we, t- we connect this to studying consistently and that sort of thing, but it, it also has this connection with mindset as well and practicing thinking about the, the positives in our life and, and what we bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I love that application academically because it's one thing like, and, and I always go back to system one and system two, system one, the automatic side, system two, the more purposeful side. Well, I can, my purposeful side says I worked, I did homework for three hours this week and then I, I helped with the grade. Well, that's good. That On that one-off, I got that experience and I know intellectually now that doing homework gets this outcome. But what is the actual story behind how I approach homework between the consistency because I can say, I can believe like, oh, three hours got me here, but do I actually have the story back here that if I invest three hours per week in study, I can achieve whichever. That's the muscle, right? The the flex, if you will, if we use that metaphor, like I can go in the gym once, I, 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 we've done it, right? You jump, you go in the gym two hours, I feel fantastic. But what's happened is I got that initial workout, but the mindset, the, the build, right? I feel good right now, but but it takes two or three months before I'm actually getting the change. I'm actually getting that good feeling consistently. 
And so I think the same applies in academics when you when you apply that when you look at the mindset behind how and why I'm approaching homework, right? So it's less about do it three hours. It's it's more a question of where do you do it successfully? What would be the best three hours? How would you, where would you, uh, where would you go? What are, what are the environment that allows you to study and focus better? How can you put this consistently? Is it important for you to put it consistently? What does getting good grades even mean to you? All of those are the consistent questions that build that story back there. Yeah. And I think about it, like when I was in college, my, my story was, um, I can get good grades at, with the least amount of effort. And there were places that that really worked well for me. Math was not one of those places because math required consistently consistency and, and going, not just rushing and cramming. And over time, I had to change that story. Otherwise, the, the outcomes wouldn't change. So I, I really, I really like that y'all are approaching it with that, um, you know, that we're an academic gym. I have a counseling background, a master's in counseling, and something that you hit on is a, is a counseling technique as well, is reminding ourselves or, or having the person in front of you, the student, the client, whomever it is, the friend, having them think about a time when they have faced something challenging in the past and overcome it because they build then this connection that, oh, I, I did I did that and I got over it by, you know, whatever the solution was, I can do it again in this new challenging situation. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. When, when we're on the workouts, the, the, how, and we spend a lot of time on like how we design what we call the container question, the question that starts the workout, if you will. And it's always based on where did this happen? So for instance, in like self-awareness, like most people say, hey, tell me what you're grateful for, right? Which gives you a good list, but uh, a better question is when was the last time you felt grateful? Tell me the story, like what were you doing? Who were you with? What did you do to make that happen? How did you know that was that feeling? Like where was it in your body? Because now what I'm doing is reinforcing the story that's already there. Because we spend a lot of time trying to be people we're not, as opposed to saying, here's where I did it well. Here's, here's the core element of what I'm awesome already at. Let's pour some gasoline on that, as opposed to going and starting a fire that doesn't exist. But if you get a good grade, uh, whether it's a grade at the end, whether it's a grade on the test, or you just, and, and it doesn't even have to be a good, but, but one you're proud about, that's when you need to stop and say, how did that happen? What did I do? What were the inputs? Like, write this, have the conversation with somebody else. Like, again, we, we're, we're conditioned that, oh, I brought home a D. We know we're going to have a conversation about that. We know we're going to get questions of how did you do that? Why did you do that? How do you prevent that? Right? Because in, but we're reinforcing the mapping. That's okay to look into and, and, uh, and, and try to overcome. But it's more important that when the good thing happens, you create the cause map for that. Here's what I did. Here's how I thought about it. Here's how I approached it. Here's how I worked through the hard thing in the thing that I did, as opposed to how do you work through hard stuff in general? No, give me the instant and give me the instant as it's happening. And so the, the, the keys, if you will, um, for success 
are always in our history. If we focus on the parts of our history that make us actually feel good and showcase the things that that we do well, and there's not a single person that doesn't have those stories. What a beautiful segue. I would like to talk to you about a little bit about your personal history. You know, you say we all have this, of course, you know, each of us are, each of us are like mosaics kind of made up of the experiences we've had, but also the people who have influenced us along the way. And you've told stories about this mentor you had when you worked at the juvenile correctional facility. You've spoken about um, a special coach whose wisdom has stuck with you. Talk to me a little bit about the experiences that have influenced you to be on this journey and where you are today. Yeah, I think I've spent a lot of time in a small town growing up convincing myself I was somebody I wasn't. Like um, spending a lot of time not knowing I wasn't doing it purposefully necessarily, but like so much time wanting to be the other person. Right. We didn't have a lot of money. We didn't you know, there were plenty of things going on, not just at home, but in the community lived with it, lived in that you sort of wanted to avoid. And it's okay to, you know, want to get out of those situations. But the challenge underneath that is in wanting to escape the situation, it's hard to then, I guess, be comfortable with who you are. Meaning like, I have to go away from this. So I have to go away from the parts of myself that, that identify with that. And so you, I, you, we spend a lot of time, for instance, I played football, you know, growing up. I, I mentioned football because I was also my freshman year, I was in competitive acting. That's a thing, by the way. <laughs> and I went to districts and qualified for state and I loved it. I enjoyed so much. It's just a solo thing and you do a five minute soliloquy. And then when I got to be a sophomore, I was questioned about it because it kind of interfered with football. And I was never going to go to college, but for some reason I was trying to convince myself I was for football. And I stopped doing the acting because, oh, are you really going to do this drama thing was a question. I remember it specifically somebody asking me that question, but they were asking from their own experience. They didn't see the value and they weren't concerned with the value I saw in it. And I wasn't confident enough to say yes. And I'd look at that 15 plus years later, I'm on TikTok using the, the acting skills, not the football skills, I'll tell you that much. And as a professional speaker and teacher for the last 20 years, those skills have been much more, not that I wouldn't have still played football, but like, it's really hard, I think, growing up, I don't care who you are, where you're at, to say, this is who I am and this is what I like and it's okay. If there's any words of encouragement, it's actually... It's actually less about trying to do that for yourself. And I think that the, the way that you actually become better at it in yourself is helping other people do it. I, I'm really convinced that like the more I'm able to ask, and this is why I have a business design like this, if I'm quite honest, but the more time I spend asking people what they care about, I can't not address the same question in myself. And the frequency that you ask that and, and, and that you, you make those interactions very purposeful and you see somebody else light up, get jealous about that. You know what I mean? 
Like instead of jealous about somebody's successful or they're doing something else, like talking to people about what inspires them, what their passions are, how they get over the challenges and watching them light up will make you want it. And it will force your brain into asking that same question for yourself. You know, this podcast is a lot of work, of course, you know, <laughs> editing and, and doing these interviews and then promoting it. And on one hand, it can be a bit draining in that sense i'm ex i'm i'm expending energy but the discussions that i'm having with folks are so rich and energizing for me that that exact thing that you're talking about happens every time i do one of these episodes i leave excited and i feel like i could go out and run because I, I just have all this this creative energy that i get from speaking with people like yourself and especially on this topic, and sometimes the conversations turn quite heavy because, again, this is about overcoming challenge, and there are some great challenges out there that people have overcome. To hear folks talk about how they found it within themselves to start to overcome that challenge, even if they're still going through it, I find just, it's more than inspiring. It is invigorating for me and here's a do you do you mind after because this is a really good one to jump into because i'm i'm a stickler on language no i heard you say it's the conversation that gives me that inspiration i want to push into that if it's okay sure totally yeah let's do it i kind of run on the assumption that the conversation's out of your control right like i could show up and be a dinkus what is it that you're bringing to the conversation in your preparation, in your, in your, in how you're approaching it during, like, tell me two things that you bring to these conversations that make that experience possible for you. One I would say is my own personal experiences. I've overcome a lot in my life, which is probably why it's important for me to, I, I think because I recognize that others have as well because I've been there myself. And so hearing those stories I connect with. What is, what is that skill? So that skill, empathy. Ah, see, that's the clarity right there. Yeah. Because even in your second answer, oh, because I was through things. Nope, we've all been through things. And we all get, right? Those are out of our control. But you're choosing empathy. Right. Yeah. And it's likely a natural skill, the, the natural skill set that you've chosen and refined. But I would imagine if you looked into it, you can see that in your preparation, in what you're looking for. Yeah. And the more you realize that that is a choice that you're making, the more consciously you can make that choice. And this, this, the second thing I would say is my ability to make connections and transfer connections across disciplines. So, and this is what we talk about in academics as well, that concept of transfer, but that the critical thinking skills required to, to make connections between people or among uh, information that might not be immediately obvious. For example, your mindset gym and our academic gym, it, that's a more direct connection, but, but you, you're you're not in the higher ed realm necessarily, and 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 I speak with my cousin who's in 
training of veterans to run their own health and wellness business. And, and I see connections between what other people do and what I do. So to boil that down to a strength um, is probably related to empathy, but it's more of an intellectual strength, I think. Yeah. Where did that come from? You know, I've done a lot of thinking on this. What I've come to so far is that when, when I was really little, my dad is very cerebral and I would always have lots of questions as kids do. And I, I do this with my four-year-old now in, he wouldn't just give me some BS answer. He would give the actual answer based in science to the best of his ability so, you know, kids ask, why is the sky blue? Instead of being like, I don't know, it just is, he would explain it or explain space or death or whatever it is. And he would do so by comparing it to something that I already had knowledge on and saying, well, it's kind of like that, but this is how it's different. And so from a very early age, I learned how to do that. And it helped me in school. And it's also helped me in the professional world and making interpersonal connections as well. Yeah. Now, what did you notice as you were explaining those two kind of underlying you know, kind of strength and things that they, what did you, what did you feel while we were having that conversation? I can tell you I'm smiling and, and I, it's not that I wasn't having a good time before, but when you asked me that question and I connected to my childhood, which was rough in a lot of ways, I connected to that positive experience, and which brought me to smiling. Well, and that, so the neuroscience is every time we access a memory, we change it a little bit. And so depending on what parts of the memory we're accessing, then we strengthen that. And the cool thing is, is that when we think about something we did well, that feeling comes back. So then that tells you then you, the, the neurochemicals are now floating through, then reinforcing or strengthening that muscle. Like that's the workout piece is that, oh, I've been here and now I'm here because your brain doesn't really recognize when you're in a situation and when you're thinking about a situation. So if I can repeat that situation with more clarity, with more, with more kind of a, painting a better map of that that piece of that situation that empowers me that gives me a strength a i feel it and now i have a better map to use moving forward and that's when we're in the gym that's what i that's really what i try to drill into people is that when you're asking the right questions it's cool because the other person can't help but feel good and that's when you know you're in the right area i'm smiling and ready to go that's sustainable energy. And, and again, that sustainable energy comes from the honesty, the, the right, finding that core piece that, that, that's driving you. Nice job. Thanks for entertaining. Me. No, thank you. That was great. We talk about it a lot in terms of learning and how knowledge is built, but have you heard of this metaphor of learning, like walking through a grassy field? Uh -uh. So imagine that you're walking through a field of really tall grass. You're trying to get to the other side of the field, but the grass is, you know, really itchy. It's kind of hitting you in the face along the way. You can't see through it, but you finally do make it to the other side and it's, it's great. Mm -hmm. And then the next time that you reach this field, it's just a little bit easier because there's that path created, you know, you've matted down parts of the grass. And so then by the 10th time that you're, you're making this trek, 
it's pretty easy because this path has been solidly created and you can see the end from the beginning. And so you just walk straight on through. And we talk to students in my field about this, about this is how learning and knowledge is built. And it reminds me a lot of what you were just talking about. And I I love that visual by accessing that memory, like you said, you're making it a lot easier to return to that place. No, that's fantastic. It's, it's how habits are created. It's how mindset is created and reinforced. And, uh, and whenever I'm talking to people about habit, that analogy is perfect because we tend to say you break habits, but you don't. You build new ones that become stronger. So the first time you try to do something new, you're walking through that grass for the first time worried about the snakes. So that's a fantastic metaphor. Yeah. What's next for you, Brian? Um, yeah, we're, we are right now in, in this startup building the people strength of the company, but I'm always just looking at, you know, how can we, how can we help people realize like that power of building better stories in your head doesn't rely on anybody else, but it's, it needs other people. Meaning, you know, you don't have to wait for your, your teacher or your parent or your boss but you can do it with anybody around you. Thank you so much for talking with me. I don't often talk about myself on these things and you brought that out in me. I just really look forward to following your content. Anytime I get to talk to you again, I would welcome it. Fantastic. Well, this was this was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm sure glad we put it on the schedule. I, you're, you're doing a great job here. Really appreciate you taking the time and uh, fun talking to you. Thank you.